I saw an, uh, This American Life special entitled, Can Any Christmas Ever Be As Good As The One You Had As A Kid? And let's be honest, we probably remember those Christmases that we had as children uh, more than any, any other. Oh, so what's, who's Christmas for? And what's Christmas really about, Charlie Brown? John writes, the Word became flesh. The Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Now, there's no more important question that you can ask any day, but especially on this day, than this one. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the man God became when God decided to become a man. That's what Christians have always insisted, that Jesus is the man that God became when God decided to become a man. And John says it here with utmost clarity, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. J.A. Packer, a Christian author, theologian, calls uh, this idea of the incarnation, that God became flesh, the most profound mystery in all of Christianity, not Calvary, but Bethlehem, not the cross, but the manger. So you have, you have a hard time believing in the miracles of Jesus, but once you believe that God became man, well, the, the rest is pretty easy. But for us, I think we've heard it so many times, many of us in here, that it, it ceases to amaze us. But the more you think about it, the more staggering it is. That the one who made all things was himself made. That the one who upholds all things was himself held. That the one in whom all things are sustained was sustained at his mother's breast. That the one who measures the galaxies in the span of his hand could be cradled in Joseph's arm. Our God contracted to a span incomprehensibly made man. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. When I was a little child, I used to just lay in bed at night because I had a hard time going to sleep, and, and not on Christmas. Almost every night I sat there for several hours before I could go to bed. And uh, I had some interesting thoughts as I laid there. Um, I wish I would have recorded most of them because uh, I would be a genius, like copyrighted several times over because <laughs> they were very profound. But one of the things that I remember sitting there thinking is I said, you know, God, uh, if you were real, if you were there, can you just give me some tangible evidence here? Can you make it clear to me now? Like, if you were really there and if you're real, can you make a motorcycle show up right now in my room? 
And I said, if you're not going to make a motorcycle show up in my room right now, at least send an angel or something, right? Uh, something a little less than a motorcycle. I was only a little boy at the time, but you know, it's a, it's a profoundly human question, isn't it? If God is there, if God is real, why hasn't he made it easier to know who he is? If God is there and he is real, why hasn't he made it clear beyond a shadow of a doubt? And, and, and if God has made it clear, and if it, God has made it clear beyond a shadow of a doubt, then, then what are we to do with all the different religions and all the different religious expressions out there? I was talking to somebody the other night, and he put it so simply, so poignantly, he just said, Kyle, where do I start? And why start with Christianity and not Buddhism or Hinduism? Why not Islam? Why not Judaism? Why Christianity, where do I start? How do I even begin? It's a good question. Why hasn't God made it clear? But John insists that God has made it clear. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. We have seen His glory. Show me your glory, Moses asked. But Moses was not able to see God's glory. My back parts you can see, but my glory you shall not see. And God passed by, and he gave Moses his character, full of grace and truth. But his glory he did not see. Moses did not see his glory, but we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from Son, from the Father. And who is Jesus? Jesus is the very revelation of the glory of God. And Christians have always insisted that if you want to know who God is, and if you want to know what God is like, you can do no better than to stare right into the face of Jesus Christ. If you want to know who God is, you go to a manger in Bethlehem. If you want to know who God is, you go to a hill outside Jerusalem. And there in the face of a Jewish man. You see the glory of God. See, in Jesus, God makes himself and his glory visible, tangible, relatable, communicable. And this self-revelation of God, it is for everyone. In verse 9, he says, the true light which comes, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light which gives light to everyone. This light is for everyone. And that includes you. But you say to me, wait, Kyle, if God is real, then why can't he reveal himself to me where I am? Why do I have to leave my historical location? Why do I have to leave my geographic location? Why do I have to leave my religious tradition? Why do I, as an Asian or Hispanic or white 21st century person, have to travel back to 1st century Middle East to a different religious tradition? Why can't God reveal himself to me where I am 
to who I am. But don't you see the problem with what you're asking? It makes sense, except for this. You want God to reveal himself to you clearly, indisputably, without a shadow of a doubt. And clarity means definitively and particularly. And so for God to reveal himself clearly, without a shadow of doubt, it, it means that he has to do so tangibly at a particular time and a particular place and a particular man with certain genetics, with certain DNA, with certain cheekbone structures, with certain hair colors, who had a certain mother and father, who had a certain hometown. See, God has revealed himself clearly and particularly. Clarity entails specificity, concreteness, And God has revealed himself that way in the person of Jesus Christ. We say, well, wait, but if God has made it so clear, then why verse 10? Verse 10 goes on to say that he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. That is, they didn't recognize the self-revelation of God. See, if God has made it so clear, then why doesn't everyone see it clearly? Right? John answers that question. Verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. He came to his own, and I take that to mean the Jewish people, yes, but more than that, because it says right before that that he, that though the world was made through him, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and who were his own? Everyone. And his own, everyone, did not receive him. So the problem is not with God's revelation. The problem is with our reception. Jesus puts it pointedly a couple chapters later in John, John 3.19. And this is the verdict. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. Now that's hard stuff. You say, well, why would that be the case? Why would people love the darkness rather than the light? Why would people love evil rather than good? It doesn't make any sense. You're right, it doesn't make any sense, but it happens all the time. Red puts it very clearly in Shawshank Redemption. You'll remember the scene, he's talking about the prison, and he says, these walls are kind of funny. First you hate them. Then you get used to them. Enough time passes, get so you depend on them. See, sometimes we get so used to the darkness that the light just hurts. And we don't want to adjust. And we stay in the darkness because we like it better than the light. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's full of truth. The light shines in the darkness, and sometimes the truth is hard to stomach. The truth is that we often prefer the darkness to the light. 
The truth is that we often prefer suffering to surrender. The truth is that we often prefer sin to salvation. The truth is that we become enamored in the place where we are. And we would rather be abused by sin than change and walk into the light that we don't know. That's the hard truth. But there's good news. The good news is that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness will not overcome it, verse 5. The good news is that Jesus is full of grace and truth. The good news is that while Jesus is, yes, full of truth, he is also full of grace. And it's not part truth, part grace. It's full of truth and full of grace. It isn't some balancing act in God, that he's partly truth and partly grace, and that there's a little bit of grace and a little bit of truth, and you add them up and it equals 100. No, it is 100, 100, just like he is 100% God and 100% man in the person of Jesus Christ. He is 100% truth and he is 100% grace. He is grace through and through. Grace upon grace, John says. And grace, grace means gift. And we all like gifts at Christmas. Gift. And what is the gift? Look, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, to those who believe on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Here's the gift, that he gives the right to become children of God. Now, we, we all like gifts. We all like gifts. We all like a certain type of gift. We don't like all gifts, though, let's be honest. I don't like all gifts. The kind of gifts that I like, the kind of gifts that we like, are the kind of gifts that we can rationalize, the kind of gifts that make sense to us, the kind of gifts that we feel like we are qualified for, the kind of gifts where we can say, yeah, I would get that gift and someone would give that gift to me because I'm just that kind of person. Those are the kind of gifts we like. We like the kind of gifts that Santa Claus gives. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Why aren't we scared of Santa Claus? Let me tell you why we're not scared of Santa Claus. Because we think we're good. And that when we get gifts from him, we know it confirms to us that we qualified for those gifts. And that's the kind of gift we like to receive. That's the kind of gift I like to receive. But you know the kind of gift I don't like to receive? The gift I could never pay back. The gift that puts me internally in someone else's debt. The gift that makes me feel like I'm a charity case. You see, I like gifts, but I don't like charity. But this gift, it is charity. But to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What qualifies those to receive his gift? Only their disqualification. It's not, it's not through blood. It's not your parents. It's not who you know. It's not through the will of the flesh. It's not a, a, a human decision to have a baby. It's not the will of man. It's not some exertion of willpower. No, the only thing that qualifies you to receive this gift is the will of God. You are wholly dependent upon him. 
That's what it means to believe on his name. To those who receive him, who believe on his name, to be wholly dependent upon God, his character. It's to believe that God gives a gift to you and for you, regardless of you and irrespective of who you are and what you've done. See, here's my question to you this morning. Will you receive him? What would it even look like? It means to believe that he was born for you. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwell is the word tabernacled and made his dwelling and made his home. That God was born into this world because he wants to live with you. He wants to be with you. It's to believe that he was born for you, that he was born, that you might be born again. It's to believe that he was born into our darkness, that we might be born into his light, that he was born into our confusion and chaos, that, he, that we might be born into his world of peace and joy, that he was born into our world of hostility and exile, Jesus was, that we might be born into his world of hospitality, that he was born in our possession, vulnerable, so that we could do whatever we wanted to him, and we did. We crucified him. That we might be born into his possession, and he could do whatever he wanted to us, and he will. He makes us his sons and daughters and glorifies us in Christ. He was born to be despised and rejected as a criminal that we might be born again, to be loved and accepted as children. And to receive him, then you have to be wholly dependent. You have, to, you have to be like, well, you have to be like a little child. So maybe... If you came in here this morning wondering, is Christmas just for kids? Yes. It's just for kids. And you have to become like a little child to enjoy it. And each of us can. We can receive him as little children and be born again. Receive him today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.